0: Let us worship God. from the first letter to the Corinthians, beginning with chapter 12, verse 12. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning that your word might fall afresh upon us this day amen for just as the body has is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ for in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks Slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as God chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. whereas our more respectful members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
1: Seekers great and small Seek the greatest gift of spirit of love, make us one indeed. On the love that we share, one our hope in despair,
2: Good morning, 7th Avenue. It is a pleasure to be here with you. And I'm going to begin with the second reading, which comes from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, 5 through 6, and 8 through 10. And good morning to everyone on Zoom as well. All the people gathered together in the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which God had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Holy One, the great God, and. All the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped God with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Holy One your God, do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our God. And do not be grieved. For the joy of God is your strength." Here ends the reading. So good morning again. It's great to be with you. And if you will, please bow your heads with me for a moment of prayer before I begin. Gracious and loving God, I thank you for the privilege of standing before your people. I pray this morning that the words of my mouth would be restorative, that they would bring joy, that they would refresh, that they would renew and inspire the hearts of your people. And if there's anything about this preacher that is distracting, give your people the strength and the gift to look past me to see you and to hear from you. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ amen. So I love coming here to preach because I, um, I challenge myself to preach the lectionary because you all follow the lectionary. So when I read the lectionary scriptures for today, The verses in the book of Nehemiah caught my eye. Now, who reads the verse? Who reads Nehemiah anyway? Oh, okay, there's one person. All right. So the verse, uh, two, I got two. Okay, so Nehemiah caught my eye, and it caught my eye for two reasons. The first is the phrase, all the people, and that phrase was repeated eight times in the text. And, you know, spoiler alert, whenever something is repeated in Scripture that many times, that means God's trying to say, pay attention. So I was like, okay, there's something about all these people that I need to pay attention to. And then the second thing is that all of these people had gathered for a celebration. And who doesn't like a good celebration? You know what I mean? And I was asking myself, well, why are they celebrating? Because it didn't say in the text quite the reason that they were celebrating. So all these people had gathered together for a celebration and the phrase, all the people, that's what caught my eye. And for those two reasons, the title of my message today is, guess what? All the people. So when I want you guys to hold on to that phrase as we go through the message today. But let me start with the second question first. Why were all these people celebrating? And in context, approximately how many people is all the people? So in this context, if you look back in previous chapters, you'll find out that when they said all the people, they meant 42,360 men of Israel and all their households. That was the number of people that had been counted who had returned to Jerusalem from bondage in Babylon. So then I had to go back even further to chapter one to get a sense for what was going on. And this is where I learned that at the beginning of chapter one, Nehemiah was in Persia serving as the cupbearer to the king. And somewhere around that time, his brother Han and I came to visit him. And you know how brothers and family members are when they get together. How's it going back home? So Nehemiah questioned him. He said, Hananiah, how's it going for the Jews that survived, that have returned from Babylon? How's the city doing? And Hananiah reported this. The survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. I can't imagine a worse report. And Nehemiah's response was that he wept, he mourned, he fasted, and then he prayed. And when he prayed, God gave him a purpose, put a purpose on his heart. God gave him the purpose of rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. So Nehemiah was in the presence of the king. And the king said, you look very sad. He said, my hometown, my people are in shambles and they need help. So with the favor of the king, Nehemiah was appointed governor of Judah and he was granted his request to travel to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. Now when he got to Jerusalem, in the night, Nehemiah went out by himself and took a look around to see exactly what was going on. And he did something that I love to try to do whenever I come to a new location. He surveyed the scene before he made a scene. He wanted to figure out what was going on. He had had a report, but he wanted to see it for himself. So after he surveyed the scene, Nehemiah met with all the people. The Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials and anyone else that was available to do the work. And he said this to them. You see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we, we may no longer suffer disgrace. Then they said, let us start building So they committed themselves to the common good, to unity of the purpose that Nehemiah had been given. Nehemiah prayed, he knew what his purpose was from God, and he set that purpose before the people and they all agreed to join in that purpose. Everyone participated. Everyone, including Nehemiah. Nehemiah, who was the governor, was a servant leader. He was out there building the wall right alongside the people. And I love the people that are mentioned in the text. When I say everyone, they mentioned priests, perfume makers, Levites, goldsmiths, sons, daughters, and merchants. Everyone, everyone was involved in this purpose. They were unified in working on this purpose and the other thing that's so beautiful in the scripture was it's personal it became quite personal for the most part each person made repairs on the wall in front of their own house the perfume maker built from in front of his house to the goldsmith's house the goldsmith built from his house to the next person's house they didn't have to leave home to participate in the rebuilding of the wall. They didn't have to leave home to join in unity with this purpose. And together they made progress because they worked together with one another with all of their heart. So with the help of their God, working together in unity of purpose, they rebuilt the wall in 52 days the people made more progress working together as a community in unity than any individual could have ever made alone. Now that is something we're celebrating. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, I see a couple of head nods. So I want you to take a moment and think back on the last major event in your life that you celebrated. What was the last major event in your life that you celebrated? You have that in mind? okay? Did that have elements of Nehemiah's blueprint? And what I mean by that is, when I think back on the big things that I've celebrated in my life, like graduating from college as the first person in my African-American family, raising my two beautiful children, completing a marathon in Anchorage, Alaska, graduating from seminary, becoming a board-certified chaplain, experiencing recovery in a 12-step program with my fellowship and community. All of those things, all of those things followed Nehemiah's blueprint. It started with prayer, hearing God's purpose, Joining together with other people, where we all participated together and I did my personal part. And then together we made progress greater than we could ever ask for, dream of, or imagine. And then always we celebrated with one another. Now, I'm a practical theologian. And I'm the one who's always asking, what does this mean in our context today? And you might be asking, why should I stay awake for the rest of this sermon? Okay, so the answer lies in pairing Nehemiah's blueprint with the phrase, all the people. And remember that phrase, all the people appeared eight times, eight times in our text today. The key word being all, not some, but all. So all 42,360 men of Israel and their households, all of the people gathered, all of the people worshiped together, the text told us today. All of the people listened to Ezra as he taught from the book of the law. All of the people wept when they heard the words of the law. All of the people celebrated together the progress they had made as a result of working in unity together to accomplish God's purpose. All of the people, not some, all. Now, in the first reading today in First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. The, reader, the writer used the human body as a metaphor for why we need all of God's people. And that means each and every one of you. Not some, but all. If you're sitting here today, you're included in that all, okay? And the writer wrote, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, meaning God's people. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you, each and every one of you is a part of it. Now think about the body for a moment. Think about your body. There are five vital organs that you need to stay alive. The first is the brain, because that's our control center. It tells everything else what to do. The second is the heart that pumps blood to the entire body. The third are lungs, which oxygenate the blood. The liver cleans the blood. The kidneys remove waste products and excess fluid from the blood. Now your body needs all of these organs to live. All. All of these organs work in unity like a well-oiled machine. And if any one of these organs stops functioning, your body will die. All of your organs are needed. Now each and every one of you are part of a variety of communities. Some of you are single. Some of you may have a partner or a spouse. You're in family units, sometimes workplaces, schools, friendships, and faith communities. I just find myself wondering, what would our world look like? What would it be like if each and every one of us, all of us, we're following Nehemiah's blueprint in all of our communities. Prayer, looking for that purpose from God, people coming together in unity of purpose, participating in that purpose by doing each of us our own personal work in our own circle of influence. I don't have to go far. It's right next door to me where my neighbor is. It's when I get on the bus in the morning. It's when I go to the workplace. Wherever I am, there is work to be done. And then there would be progress and celebration. If we took on the invitation to follow Nehemiah's blueprint, Could we eradicate hunger and food insecurity? Could we end homelessness in our town, our city? Could every human being feel safe and beloved? Could we dare to dream that our world could truly become heaven on earth? So Seventh Avenue, this is my invitation to you at the beginning of 2022. If you haven't already, would you join in prayer with your pastor to seek God's purpose for your faith community? And when, not if, when that purpose is revealed to you from God, will all of you, each and every one of you say amen and amen and participate by doing your personal part in your own personal sphere of influence. And then, would you invite me back next year to celebrate with all of you the progress that your community has made with God as your guide and your strength? Now, I hope that you'll accept the invitation, and I'll be looking to getting my invitation to your celebration. Thanks be to God.
1: Send off
0: Holy God, you have fed us in word, in silence, in song, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and praise. Amen. Go forth this day as essential members of community. And dare to believe this place could be heaven and earth and make it so.